Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubs. Our podcast always brought to you by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Be sure and check them out online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or you can give them a buzz at 865-299-2290 for all of your heating and air needs. You can book an appointment online. You can check out all their services. Whatever your heating and air needs are, Blue Water Climate Control can take care of you. Give Jeremy and his staff a call today or visit them online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. Check them out on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. Let's jump right into uh, the podcast uh, mailbag questions here for this podcast. And uh, we'll start with um, first question out of the gate. Feldman, Brad Edwards, and other national media types keeps mentioning Freeze and UT. Brad Edwards even went as far as say UT views him as Pruitt's replacement if we make a move. And we could go in that direction if A&M blows the balls out. Is this stuff being fed to them by Jimmy Sexton? I don't know that it's fed by Jimmy Sexton specifically, but I think there's a narrative out there and a thought out there from some people that if Saturday goes ugly, then who knows what might happen. If Saturday's close, I think most people feel like uh, that Jeremy Pruitt's going to be back as Tennessee's coach next year. But Austin, as you said on many occasions, you know, in this day and age, it only takes one or two people to make that decision. And, and that may not be the athletic director's decision. Well, exactly. And I mean, and Brent, when you really look at, you know, that's kind of just like sports in general, or I mean, look at recruiting. I mean, like, you know, how many, how many times have you seen, you know, something that we thought and even the coaches thought was a slam dunk. And then, you know, one person changes their mind or, or, or has questions about a kid. And then, you know, the kid doesn't get signed, he gets dropped or they, you know, they go in a different direction. Um, same thing can happen with, uh, you know, you know, your head football coach. I mean, if, if things were to go poorly Saturday, you know, or even if they don't, I mean, you know, nothing's stopping, you know, the money people from coming in and saying, okay, enough's enough. You know, now, do I think that's a bit of dirty pool when you, you've got on the phone with several of these recruits this week and told them that, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's going to be safe? I mean, I kind of do think that's kind of dirty pool. But, I mean, like, look at the whole thing in general. I mean, kids bolt. I mean, Tennessee, you know, you know, I think made a mistake in waiting too long to cut some of these kids. Kids they knew that they've known for a while they were going to cut. You know, and, you know, wait until the end probably wasn't the best move, um, you know, but it kind of is what it is. Rob, we've just learned in the last 20 years, 18 years, 20 years covered as anything's possible. Auburn proved that last week, right? I mean, you just never know. USC proved it about 11, about 11 years ago. Yep, absolutely. You never have any idea I, what's going to happen. I mean, I can vividly remember sitting and talking to to Kessley, we were watching basketball practice and and telling him, like, man, there's no way they get all the way down the lane. There's no way they get all the way down the lane. And then uh, probably about four hours later, they were all the way down the lane. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So anything is possible. All right, let's go to iHeartballs. Since the one-time transfer rule seems to be a foregone conclusion, what do you see as some of the unintended consequences of it, especially if the SEC doesn't allow interconference transfers? You've been talking about it for weeks. I mean, there's going to be more kids than there is homes. Yeah, there already is now. Yeah. I mean, the supply and the demand are not going to match up at all. I mean, like, I I, I think that there's a far greater supply of players than the demand um, from the colleges. You know, I, I just think that some of these kids are in for a rude awakening, which I go back to, you know, I think that some of these, these you know, smaller programs that have success 
have a chance to build upon that and have more success because I think some of these, you know, solid players, maybe they're not great players, but solid players fall to them. Yep. And, and if you've got a great player at that smaller level, then you may lose them to another, to a bigger school. That's right. If you've got a good quarterback, Liberty's got a good quarterback. He might not be their quarterback next year. He might have a place to play, you know? So you, 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 that's a, that's a consequence that could be out there as, as well. Uh, I think one of the other um, consequences potentially is as a coach, how do you have to deal with those kids? You know, the ones you're trying – I mean, like, particularly a freshman who's going to be upset quicker and says, hey, I don't have to sit out anywhere. I can bolt. Do you have to play that kid? You know? Oh, you, I, what, I, what do you I, have to do with the young players to keep them happy? I, I keep going back to the fact – and we talked about this on Monday. Um, you know, I just think you, you – you know, the whole D recruitment, it's just not going to happen. You're going to be recruiting these guys 24 yeah. seven, even yeah. after you already got them on campus. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, the great coaches aren't. That's true. I mean, and the established coaches aren't, you know, the ones that you know what you're getting into when you go there. And maybe those kids, if you don't want to stick around, then that, those coaches say, Hey, I'll go find another one. Cause we're established. We have our program in place. Um, and, and we're going to do it my way, and, and the kid knows that when he comes there. Um, but for some others, then I, I think you're, it's going to be interesting to see. Oh, I, I, I agree for some, but like, I mean, just I mean, Saban's an extreme example, but I guarantee you that the head basketball coach over here is not going to be de-recruiting any freshman and his dad. And there'll be a lot of other coaches like that in, in both sports. Yes, there'll be. I mean, the established ones, they'll be that way. Absolutely, there, there, there will be for sure. Um, you know, and basketball's probably had to deal with this, Rob, longer than than football's had to deal with it. The transfer deal because you're dealing with smaller numbers. Yeah, it seems, I mean, it does seem like it kind of was ahead of the curve. Yeah, smaller numbers. I mean, if you're you know a sophomore and you see a freshman, at, at, you know, you're already battled with it. Your position, they signed another guy that's coming in the next year when you're going to be a junior. You can see the writing on the wall. You know, probably a lot clearer. Less opportunity. All right, let's go to UT Vol Fan 29. Different type of question here. In the social media age and how it definitely impacts recruiting and athletes, how much do you think schools might use, <clears throat> excuse me, planted negativity to influence recruits? By that mean, having people pose as fans of other schools and post negative things towards recruits under the guise of being a fan of a competitor. Oh, I think that goes on now. I mean, I, I, I really do. I believe that goes on now across college football or across college athletics. Wow. AP spot the black helicopters. Yeah, I mean, I'd sure there's some of that out there. I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, that there's, and, and I don't know that all of it's orchestrated by coaches somewhere or recruiting I mean, offices you, somewhere, but I think that's just inevitable. I mean, I, I just think when you look at, you know, uh, all the stuff that's out there about, like, like, like right now, if you're recruiting against LSU, like, you know, you don't think that, you know, you're, you're, you're not, you know, got some burner Twitter accounts that are tweeting at player X, you know, the USA Today link or whatever about, you know, the LSU's trials and tribulations. I just think that that goes on. I mean, yeah. I don't see it because it's not in my timeline, but. Or more, or maybe even more accurately, effectively to, to player X's mob. Yeah. Yeah, to the parent to make sure that the parent the parents see it. No, no doubt about that. Um, to ten, Ken, nineteen eighty five. Name a freshman who's raised your eyebrows, surprised you, 
and care to comment on the report that Pruitt would rather coach at Alabama than put up with this stuff at Tennessee. <clears throat> I'll take the second one. I don't know that he said, I don't, I've never heard him say that. Um, I've said, I said this before. I think there have been times where Jeremy Pruitt has said, look, if they fire me, I'll go back to Alabama and go to work for Nick Saban. And I do believe that's the case. I don't think he's strutted around. I don't know that he's strutted around, you know, going, I don't want to be here. I'd rather be back as a defensive coordinator than to put up with the stuff that we have here or the stuff that we're dealing with here. I, I don't mean, I've never heard him say that. Now, uh, as for the freshman who's raised your eyebrows the most, anybody want to jump in here? I mean, is he talking about this year's team, I suppose? Yes. I, I think Jabari <clears throat> Small. Jabari Small for me has honestly surprised me more than anybody. Because, you know, I mean, again, he was – everybody assumed he was just a take. And yet here he's probably had more of an impact on the field than – than Omari Thomas this year, as far as just pure production, you know, he should um, play. you know, I mean, Jalen Hyatt, we've all known he was going to be a, a player since, you know, early in his arrival. Um, and, and then I think some of these other guys, you just don't know yet. There's not a, a greater sample size, but I mean, I think if you really look, you know, if you're asking me like two guys that have really surprised me to Marion McDonald, uh, and, and Jabari Small, two guys that if you again, if you were out of that those five kids from Memphis, if you were ranking them, I think most people would rank those two four and five. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree with that assessment completely. I, I don't. That would be my pick. That was really my picks as well. Vol eighty seven wants to know where do you think we finish in the final recruiting rankings, and how many wins could you see this team winning next year uh, with a legitimate off season rankings? Austin, what do you think? 12 to 20, 12 to 17, somewhere in there? Yeah, I think somewhere in there. And, you know, I think the hardest part of that is, Brent, you know, let's say Tennessee leaves five spots open or four spots open. You're not going to have any kind of feel for how – what kind of impact any kind of transfers are. You know, that's not going to be linked into your ranking. Now, maybe that's something that, you know, the recruiting services will do now that that's going to become more of a thing. Um, but like the, uh, in, in my opinion, like, you know, you could have the 12th ranked class, but then if you get the right three or four, you know, transfers, you know, your class is more like a, you know, five to 10 class because, you know, those, those four or five, you know, players have come in and helped you way more early on than, you know, any four or five high school kids could. Well, and I'll say this. I mean, if the one-time transfer rule goes into effect where you have guys who transfer and are eligible immediately with multiple years of eligibility, then I, I think we I think we as a recruiting service rivals have to look at re-ranking that in some way. You know, if you're getting a potential three-year player as a transfer instead of a 12-game player, you know, that – yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a market there for a re-ranking of those things in the summertime after the transfer – you know, the transfers are complete. Guys are in, are in schools, you know, particularly if they're going to play for and have, you know, potential to be on a roster and make an impact for multiple years. Rob, how many wins could you see this team uh, getting next year with a legitimate offseason? I get eight. Uh, we're, yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, I think eight's pretty doable. I mean, I don't, I, I don't see them I being mean, any of the big three, and it's hard for me to think that they'll just, you know, run the table on, on the everybody. Everybody. The, the rest of them. 
I'm going to take a cop-out answer here, and I'm going to say, you know, he could win as few as six. They could win as many as nine. Like, I mean, I just think there's that kind of range there. Like, because, like, when you look at, like, who they play, you know, they're they're non-region – or non-region games. It's not like I'm talking high school football. They're non-conference games. Should all be wins. They should be four and zero in that. And then, like, what do they do in league play? You know, do they have another dud year where they go two and six? Yeah, I'll say this. They'll go four and four, five and three. I mean, I think the big thing for me is can they avoid that uh oh game? Okay, I look back at this season. Obviously, there's multiple uh oh games when you look at Auburn, you look at Arkansas, but you can't lose to Kentucky. Okay. You got no business losing to Kentucky, right? You know, the year before, it's the Georgia State, okay? They, they got to avoid that uh-oh game that, you know, it was Vanderbilt in year one. That game was like, what What was that? Um, I, I think that's what they, you know, they've got to avoid that. And, and then, you know, if they can't, then they're going to be a, a, probably a six or seven win football team next year. Uh, but they could win eight. I'm with Rob. I don't see them winning. I don't see them beating a big three unless, you know, just on that day some things fall their way. But well, you know, you never say never. Again, if you go, if you just simply chalk it up that Tennessee's going to beat Pittsburgh and win the other three cupcakes, and there's four no Tennessee's best year since Philip was fired was two twenty fifteen, and then last year Tennessee went five and three in league play, which would mean nine and three would be the best they could do, just basing off recent history. That's right. absolute best, and then everything went. All right. You know, um, I mean, go ahead. No, no, I, I was just—I mean, like you know, Tennessee had a couple of years of four and four, so like you know, that would be an eight and four type season, which is what you guys are saying. Uh, uh, next question: Would you like? I would like for each of you to list your top three most important things this team or program must do between the end of this season and next year's opening game. Rob, I'll start with you. Three things that are a must for this team. What's your, what's your offensive identity slash what are you doing at quarterback? I mean, you go all in on Harrison Bailey. If so, you know, figure out what he can do, what your strength is, what your, you know, what your angle is. I mean, fig, figure out what you're going to do with your staff. I mean, are you, you know, you're going for recruiters, you're going for developers, you're going for a mix. <clears throat> and wow. Number, t- number three. I mean, if you're just talking personnel wise, um, I think I, mean, I think quarterback is the big deal, and I think staff is pretty clearly number two. And um, I don't know that I, I have a third one that's really pressing. But those, those two kind of jump out at me as as being far and away the, the most critical. Elements. AP, AP. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this is going to be a crossover. I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, number one is offensive identity and quarterback. Number two is is I, I do think that they need to make some changes on their staff. And we'll see how many they make. You know, I think that's, you know, that, that's paramount that Tennessee, you know, obviously you have a new D-line coach, but I think that ultimately you probably need to, you know, make a couple other changes um, if, if Jeremy's going to be back for 2021. And then number three, um, you know, I think that, you know, it's just kind of, you know, have, have the off season, you know, of, of, of finding out who your leaders are. Cause I feel like the leadership on this current team is not very good. Now I do think that part of that is COVID. I think COVID has not been a reason why he's lost games, but I think their leadership or lack thereof 
and, and a big part of that is COVID. I think a guy like Cade Mays came in here. Cade Mays may, you know, be close with Cooper and Trey and some of those offensive linemen. I don't think Cade's real close with the rest of the team, and, and, and that's not on him or anybody else. I think, you know, most of these guys, because of COVID, when the practice is done, they retreat back to their little cubbyhole because why? They don't want to get COVID and have to miss time and, and all that. So I don't think that there's a lot of team bonding. Tennessee needs to have a more normal offseason where you get back to the team bonding, the team building, and, uh, you know, kind of being a, a one big nucleus and one big unit more so than just a bunch of guys that, you know, retreat to their rooms, they play Call of Duty, and then come out and practice for a couple hours a day. All right, a couple more recruiting questions here. Um, now that the 21 class is wrapping up, what are the biggest position needs in this class, in the 22 class? Who are some of the main targets out of state? And are there any 22 kids ready to jump in the boat? Austin, I'll let you take that one. Well, I mean, I think Tennessee has been in a great spot with Jordan James for a while, um, the running back from Oakland. Um, he, he makes the most sense, um, you know, in state to me, most likely to jump in the boat. Um, Tennessee obviously would love to, you know, land Ty Simpson. They'd love to land Walter Nolan. They'd love to land, you know, several of these in-state kids. Um, you know, Cam Miller, Dallin Hayden, I can keep naming them. Um, out of state, you know, uh, you know, Addison Nichols makes, uh, you know, a ton of sense because, you know, Tennessee has been long positioned very well there. Um, you know, they're going to be big uh, in the, you know, or try to be big in the state of Alabama again. They'll try to be big in the state of Georgia in, in 2022. Um, you know, whereas they weren't as heavily involved in, in Georgia uh, in 2021. Um, there weren't, you know, there was a couple of guys, but they weren't as, like, it, it's not like in recent years where Tennessee had, you know, 25 guys they were going after. There was more like nine. Um, and so, you know, I think it's more about states. I don't think Tennessee will be as, as heavily involved in North Carolina. That seems like a down year there. I think Tennessee would love to be more involved in Virginia in 2022. All right. Uh, Hunter wants to know, he keeps reading about how the coaching staff will be looking for a transfer to in his class. Have you heard of any names in the portal thus far looking UT's way that the staff could consider taking? I'll also ask the opposite question. Are there any guys currently in the portal the staff covets considering Tennessee. Austin, you threw out a name about a quarterback today, right? Yeah, I mean, Tennessee, you know, would love to, you know, land, you know, Houston Baptist transfer quarterback Bailey Zab. You know, he's a guy that, you know, throws it all over the, you know, the lot down there and, uh, you know, put up big numbers this year in a four-game schedule, almost upset Texas Tech. Um, you know, 15 touchdowns, one interception, super over 500 yards against the Red Raiders, um, you know, and, and kind of has some moxie. I, you know, I talked to a former Tennessee assistant, Walt Wells, who's the head coach at Eastern Kentucky. They actually played Houston Baptist this year. And, uh, you know, he, he said that the kid, you know, really has some moxie to him, was a, was a kind of a trash talker during the games, was, was you know, a, a real super competitive. And, uh, you know, it was really impressive and feels like he could be a power five quarterback. Uh, next question. Also, why do you think this staff has had a hard time signing corners, defensive back, cornerbacks in particular, given the no, forte know, of, of Ansley and Pruitt? It is a bit bizarre. Uh, I, I don't disagree. I know with Demarius McGee, McGee picked and you know, committed to Tennessee early. Um, but then there were some people in that school that were huge LSU people. 
and they kind of got in his ear, and it, this one, it got steamrolling towards the Tigers. Tennessee tried and tried, didn't do anything to kind of flip it. So, um, you know, I think that's, you know, a reason they lost Demarius McGee. Um, you know, Nyland Green, I think that was more of a product of Tennessee's losing streak and the fact that Athens is, you know, 45 minutes away. Um, you know, I, I think Tennessee, you know, needs to find – a top shelf corner in 2022, or you really do kind of like scratch your head at the fact that Tennessee really can't get in on guys like Dejon Warren. I think Tennessee could have been a factor there, but then he had off the field issues that Tennessee didn't want to touch. And I wonder if that's what happened with Georgia. And that's why he ended up at Jacksonville state to play for Dion. Any chance Joseph Anderson transfers with, with the coaching change there? Have you heard anything? I mean, like he, he looked a year ago at maybe doing it and then stayed um, I just don't know if, you know, Tennessee would have real interest there. I mean, Tennessee wanted him when he came out of high school, but he's not done a whole lot in two years there. Would they want to go down that route? I, I don't know. I mean, like, I wouldn't say no, but I, I, I don't think I didn't say yes either. Like, I think it would be something that Tennessee would have to really think long and hard about. All right, two more football questions, and we're going to hop into a couple of hoops things here as we wrap up the podcast. Also, uh, Rob, Rob, jump on in here on this football question as well. With the incoming class clouding the running back room, who do you see move, being moved into what positions? And with the loss of Wolf, does that lead Trinity Bell to getting a more serious look at tight end? And I'll throw in there another question somebody had about Austin Pope. Do you think that he comes back for another year? Let's start with the tight end question. Um at this point, you guys see Austin Pope coming back? No, uh, I, I mean, just I don't have any inside info. I see, I think it's really tough for that guy. I mean, he's been through so much. Yeah, I would think of that. You think Trinity Bell's serious look at tight end, or do you think that they're pretty comfortable with, with Miles Campbell and um, Trinity Bell gets a look at defensive end and ultimately maybe even an offensive line position when it's all said and done, depending on how big uh, he Trent- is? Trinity Bell, I think we'll get every bit of a shot to play tight end. And then we'll see, you know, what happens with him physically. Does he grow out of it? Um, but his basketball skill set tells me that, you know, he could end up potentially being uh, the best of all of them. Um, so we'll see. What about uh, the running back room? Pruitt, Jeremy Pruitt saying on Wednesday that you need six running backs. Um, he's got a bunch of them back there. Um, all those guys can't stay at running back, right? No. I mean, I don't see Leonard Quadhead staying at running back. Um, you know, I, I, I don't see, you know, it, it, well, I, to me, the X factor is Deep Beckwith. You know, he's he, he shows promise, but he also could play a number of different positions. Cody Brown's a running back. That's all he can play. Jalen Wright, I, you know, Tennessee likes his speed too much to move him. And then uh, – you know, obviously they are the most high on Tyon Evans, who they think is a real game changer and then a real bruiser at tailback. Yeah, cert- certainly the case there. Um, last uh, one more football here. I just saw this one. I uh, would like to think this would not be the case, but do you think that Pruitt is not giving JT Shroud a fair shake since he was Helton's guy? Shroud's arm, talent, and touch seem to be by far the best on the team. JG could throw a pick six with the best of any of them, but never really got pulled right away. Do you think that Rob, that JT Shrout's been had a had a quick trigger, had a quick hook? I mean, he might have had a quick hook, but I don't think Jeremy Prude is like, damn it, that's 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 Helton's guy. I'm, I'm pulling him out. You don't think he's holding the glove? No, no, I don't. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I think it, you know if, if it gave him a better chance to win a football game, they'd play the devil. 
that's you know as our football coaches are, but that's I, that, I totally dismiss that. I think the reason he's not gotten more of a shot is you saw it in the second half at Vanderbilt when he threw off his back foot into double coverage. Yeah, on the defensive can't line, you, can't, go ahead. can't you just see it now? I mean, get in there loose for me. I got to win this thing. <laughs> the um, the uh, uh, another question here, AP is uh, rumors on the D line coach Bo Davis. I think is where that starts. I'm not saying it's where. Yeah, it, I mean, don't you think that's where it starts? Yeah, uh, you know, I. My question though is, is what the uncertainty does that hamper Jeremy in trying to make this hire? You know, does, yeah, is, does Bo Davis want to stay in the NFL too? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that he would honestly, out of the, all of them, I think he prefers or prefers to uh, to get back to college more so than a guy like Tosh. But you know, uh, again, I just wonder like what the skepticism out there and the and the and the and the noise you know does a guy like bo davis kind of go yeah i'm gonna wait yeah i mean I'm, I'm, not saying, same. I'm not saying i'm not saying it does i'm just saying like to me like i just thinking that on both sides probably the same concern with this name but any, any chance that, that they could bring rodney home over no i don't think so I, I think he's too entrenched with all the power people at auburn you know, former player. He's been there. Rodney stopped moving. I mean, Rodney's not even interviewed for a job in, in a while. Um, you know, Rodney might look to move if if the new coach comes in and, and he doesn't like and feels like that's a bad fit. But if Kevin Steele gets that job, uh, which it seems like that's what that's setting up for right now. Now, it's not that's, the finish that's line. That's sexy. You know, but if it's Kevin Steele, then Rodney Garner is going to be probably the assistant head coach on that team or the associate head coach on that team because he and Kevin still have a good relationship. And I think Rodney's probably helped Kevin still get to know some of the important people that you need to know at Auburn, which ultimately has probably helped Kevin Steele be in the position that he's in right now to potentially get this job. So again, not done at Auburn. They may, they may go some different direction, but it's certainly starting to look at some of the national media's tweets. Everybody seems to be jumping on board how real of a candidate Kevin Steele is which makes you wonder and think if that thing's not getting somewhat close to being done. It certainly feels like um, he's the only name you're really hearing him talk about right now, right? I mean, you're not hearing. It, it sounds like first of all fell through, or if you know, like maybe that's what they wanted to do and it didn't. I mean, I'm, and I'm just reading tea leaves. And, and maybe that maybe that's by design though. Maybe they want everybody looking at Kevin Steele and they're gonna pull a rabbit out of their hat. I'm not, I'm not saying that's gonna happen. I'm just you know, devil's advocate here. Well, and here's the other thing, too. You don't know exactly who, who's running that search down there because, obviously, the AD didn't even know what was going on. So, again, we'll see. I, I don't think Rodney's going to make that move. All right, these basketball questions are out there. we got to get to these things. Uh, Rob, how good is Jaden Springer playing? Do you think by tournament time he might be the best offensive player on this team? <clears throat> I mean, Fulkerson's pretty pretty darn efficient. But, I mean, Jaden Jaden's playing – really really well I mean I thought the other night I mean it's just happy state so you don't want to go crazy but he's just playing so under control he's not forcing things um not putting up bad shots the other night he was six for eight and um I mean I, I wrote about it and talked about it before he got here but his ability to to get into the paint absorb contact and you know still you know, square up and get a good shot up it's just it's elite I mean the way he uses the, the jump stop to to create space to to eat up, to eat up space and get where he wants to go. He's, um, yeah, the short answer. Yeah. He's playing really, really good. Will he be the best offensive player on the team? Yeah. You know, maybe, but I mean, they, they've got a lot of good guys. Has, has he been better than you thought he would be out of the gate? Ah, 
No, I mean, I, I mean, I, I had pretty high expectations. I mean, I'm not surprised to see him scoring in double digits early, playing good defense. Um, I guess the thing I'm most surprised of is, is just how under control he's been, how he's not for shots. And I'm not saying – I mean, he, he played with great players at, at IMG, so he's used to, you know, not taking 20 shots in a game. But, you know, I've seen him in the summer times when he is the best player on, on his team. And, yeah, taking 20 shots a game is something that he is not adverse to doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but, I, I mean, I honestly don't know that he's taking a bad – maybe he has. I'm, I'm just missing it. But I, I just – He's been. I'm surprised at how efficient he has been offensively. I mean, not blow. I mean, I, I knew he was going to be. Thought he was going to be good, but the the kind of you know just how how in control and efficient he's been. I think is really big time for a freshman. Rob, have you ever seen a team start five left-handers? I don't think it's ever happened before. I think Tom Sakoviak has put this in the game notes. Now, whether I don't know, I don't know where he got that research, and maybe I'm misspeaking. But I think Tennessee's SID has thrown, has perhaps made note of that. And, no, I have never seen it. It at least ties a record. We know that much. <laughs> he also wanted – since you can't – I mean, that lineup's not going to stay all left-handers because at some point Johnson or Springer is going to get in the starting lineup, aren't they? I mean, I would think so. I mean, it's not – I mean, God, I mean, you're, you're sitting Victor Bailey, you know, who, who was the leading scorer in the team the other night. You're, you're going to sit Josiah James, who had 11 points and – you're not going to sit him, but I mean, you're going to play him less. Josiah had 11 points, had you know more rebounds than anybody on the team with eight. It was three three from three. So, but I, as good as they've been, I mean, I I think Keon and, and Jaden are more talented. But you know, then again, I don't, also don't think it matters that much because you look at those five guards, the Viscovi in there. They all played. Nobody played less than 19 minutes. Nobody played more than 24. I mean, I, and I think that's that's how it's going to be pretty much all year long, no matter who gets your name called to start the game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the minutes – Rick Barnes told the story um, on, on Vol Calls Wednesday night that he set the team down and he gave him like an index card or gave him a sheet of paper and said, hey, write down how many minutes you think everybody on this team should play. The whole team, you know, one through 13 scholarship guys. He said they wrote it down and he gathered up the papers. They added up and there was like 400 minutes total. He's like – you do realize there's 200 minutes in the game. Now cut everybody's time in half. Like, how do you figure that out? And I'm sure, Rob, that was a lesson to go, listen, you know what I mean? Like, everybody's going to have to buy in, and, and it's it's going to be about the team, and some nights you're going to play more than other nights and all that type of thing. But it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the minutes shake out, how the rotations um, shake out when this, you know, when it gets into the conference schedule and it gets into, you know, I don't want to say tune-up games, but it gets into games where you're, you know, it's a little bit different than what it's been right now where you're trying to figure everything out. I, mean, I think Rick's giving some clues. I mean, I think all those guards are going to play right at 20 minutes, give or take two or three a night, and, unless somebody just, you know, just doesn't have it that night or, or, or God forbid, they throw it into row three in the first two minutes of the game. Then they're going to go sit beside. Then Rick sits beside. them until halftime. <laughs> um, but, um, I, I really think it's going to be an eight-man rotation with, with him throwing Olivier a bone now and then, you know, to to reward – you know, as long as he's practicing hard and, and is engaged. So – and, I mean, I, and I think it, it'll be a field thing. I mean, he, I don't think he's going to go in and say, you're getting 22 minutes, you're getting 19 minutes. You know, if if Jaden's lighting it up and playing good defense, maybe he gets 26 minutes. You know, I tell you the guy that kind of like – 
read read between the lines that that uh is going to get more minutes than anybody there is Santiago. And you know he might have four points and you know three assists or whatever. But I just I think he does so much more for this team that shows up in the box score, just keeping the ball moving, you know, getting people in the right spots. Like uh, he had, you know, Appy states it's you know small small sample size, but he he scored five points, was two of five from the field the other night, had the highest plus minus on the team at thirty six. And all the little things. Uh, last couple of questions. Go ahead. Greg. Don't you feel like Rob? Don't you feel like Cam Wan? I know you, they've got higher hopes for him than maybe Derek Walker, but he just feels like he's kind of stuck in that Derek Walker plays it uh, 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 scratch. I mean, I, mean, I mean, I think he's a better player than that, probably considerably. But with this team, he's stuck in that role that, that Derek yeah. Walker was in for sure. I mean, he might get four minutes in the first half and then not play again. You know, I just and, but as your ninth guy, he's pretty good. All right, last question here. I want to get to this one. Now that the NCAA made a decision, or it appears that they're making a decision for immediate eligibility for one-time transfers, how quickly do you think Sankey and the SEC will make their decision? Do you think Sankey will have all the SEC coaches or ADs or presidents have a vote on if they would allow that to happen? If there is a vote that's required by the SEC, do you think most schools would be for it? are against it to pass. I don't think this is going to be a slam dunk that it passes in the SEC because I think there are some ADs and presidents that are against it. Is that a destined vote, don't you think? Face-to-face in a locker room? I think it has to happen quicker than that. If it passes in January. If it passes in January, I think it has to happen quicker than that. I just don't think it's a laydown. I don't think it's a guarantee. But we'll we'll see what happens. But it It just means more here. Yeah, I just I think it's going to be interesting to see there. I know there's some ads in this league that are against it, and 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 are not that would will fight or will protest it or will certainly throw up opposition to it because they think it's bad for the league because it's going to cre- create so much recruiting. Um, kids who are already on campuses continued recruiting them and, and problems there. So I, I don't think there's a ton. I don't think everybody in the league is all in. It probably will end up being that it passes because everybody else in the country is going to do it, but it will be a heated discussion to get to that point. And it'll be, and it will be a nightmare. Like when a kid, when a kid goes from, you know, Auburn to Alabama or vice versa or Ole Miss to Mississippi state, just brutal. It certainly it certainly will be that. All right, time to get out the door here. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control. DT for you too. Here's your question. The Nike contract ends on in the year of 22-23. I do think Nike will renew it. I don't know that it will be as financially beneficial as some of the other Nike deals are with where kind of things are in athletics at this point. We've not seen some of those huge deals like we have in the past. But that contract is up uh, in year eight, which is 22-23. That's going to do it for this podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.